before it was ever a video, it was some man or woman's thought and idea. They videotaped it, put it on TV, and they call it a TV show. Or they put it on cellulite, some man or woman's thought and idea, and they sent it out to a theater, and it's called a motion picture. Or they digitize it and put it in a little black box, it's called a computer game. Uh, or they, you know, put it on the radio, it's called a song. But before that happened, it was some man or woman's thought and idea. And God says, you keep shoving the empty philosophies of this world that are against biblical values instead of on what Christ has said. You will struggle, number one, with your faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, the joy of your salvation. Where do you find the empty philosophies of this world? Go home and turn on your TV. Go down in the local theater. Uh, get that video game. Turn on the radio, listen to the latest uh, top 10, listen to the latest top 50. That's where you find the philosophies of the world. We would hate to think of ourselves as slaves. We are free, we are in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And, and yet, we've enslaved ourselves, many of us have. And we don't, the worst kind of slavery, we don't even see the chains. And in fact, we think it's freedom. And uh, we need, again, we need the work of God in our lives to show us our chains, to show us what we've made into our idols that are enslaving us. Idolatry, I mean, is, from the biblical perspective, anything that takes you away from your focus on the living God. You know, Jesus said this, unless you forsake everything, you cannot be my disciple. Unless you love me more than father, mother, wife, children, brother, sister. You know, he said, he cannot be my disciple. But I, I, I kind of wish he stopped. You know, with that. No, he said, and your own life. Unless you love me more than your own life. I was a very angry, frustrated, depressed, suicidal individual, and I listened to a lot of angry music. And I believe that music only uh, encouraged those really um, disturbing feelings inside my heart. And they didn't at all satisfy the need that I had in myself. And instead, that angry music that I was constantly listening to became very addictive. And I always needed noise. I always needed something thrashing. Like, I couldn't go around the house without putting something in. You would think that loud music drowns out what you feel in your soul, it doesn't. It only uh, makes it, it makes it more um, serious, makes it more dark, you know, and that's what my music was doing to me. I definitely was in bondage to music especially, personally, and film would be a very, very close second. For me, media was an alternative reality. It was something that could help me escape the issues of my life, to not address them, to not pursue relationships with people, to not be committed to relationships as well, or much less to my relationship with the Lord. When I felt like I was really struggling and being challenged, it was really hard to open my Bible and say, help God. It was much easier to just turn on my iPod and blare music. And and now I realize that the music only just uh, distracted me from turning to the Lord. I still had to turn to Him. I was just taking forever to do it. When I grew to know the Lord, when I accepted Him as my Savior and He saved me, it just changed. It was just amazing what He did in my life. I believe that music actually was an idol in my life. So when I was able to recognize that, when I was able to let go, there was such incredible freedom. I am endeavoring as a follower of Jesus Christ to embrace the things that he values. And because I love him, I want to be able to choose media that glorifies him. When the first home video game console, the Magnavox Odyssey, hit the market in 1972, it was unlikely that anyone could fathom the impact video games would have in homes almost 40 years later. In 2007, a remarkable record was set by the video game Halo 3. It had sold $170 million worth of games in 24 hours. That was not just a video game sales record, that was an entertainment industry sales record that was soon to be upstaged by Grand Theft Auto 4 and recently topped by the release of Call of Duty Black Ops, which sold $360 million in 24 hours. There is a great need for concern. Every parent needs to be serious in thinking through all of these media issues. Now, 10% of children, according to the studies that have been done on this, are actually addicted to video games. 
they don't even have a category in the diagnostics and statistics manual for this kind of addiction. But the scholars have found that when you look at the addiction to video games, it parallels one-to-one -one a gambling addiction. So parents who are not concerned are actually saying, it's okay with me if my child has a crippling addiction. I was uh, honored to represent the United States at an international conference on internet safety. When I arrived in Seoul, South Korea, I discovered that they do not hesitate to use the word addiction because what they told me when I asked them about the use of the term, they said, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. And we have people who, for whom video games and internets have taken over their lives. I had a soldier come into my office and he said, hey chaplain, I'm having nightmares and I'm having a difficulty sleeping. I keep seeing myself shooting at people and getting shot. I said, what is your job? He said, I'm a mechanic. I said, have you ever been outside the wire to actually be confronted by the enemy? He said, no. I said, do you play video games? He said, yeah, chaplain, I play a lot. I said, man, you need to stop. You haven't been shot out by the enemy, but it's the video games that's messing with your mind. It's the video games that's giving you combat stress. You're not getting combat stress from combat. It's that. When you talk to your son about his violent video games, you'll find out if he's addicted because he's going to go off the deep end because you're, 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 you're offending him. You're, he's defending what he's addicted to. Um, talk about his sister and he won't say a word. Talk about Modern Warfare 2, and he's going to go off the deep end. So you can see how deep it is and how it actually grips their, their whole, their heart, their soul, their mind, you know what I mean? Um, and, and to the point where they're willing to do some drastic things. Video games have embedded in our culture, and there are multiple concerns notwithstanding the ones already addressed. There are moral issues as well as concerns about the use of time, the potential of video game addiction, but also the false sense of accomplishment and the fostering of escapism. The escape ramps from reality are everywhere, uh, and we have way more escape routes than we've ever had before. Uh, we have young people uh, playing their computer games, escaping into the world of the Avatar, and this is 20, 30 times worse than it was in the 1970s. You remember in the 1970s when we had one computer game, that was Pong. I didn't know anybody addicted to Pong in the 1970s. Beep, 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 beep. It was hard to get addicted to a game like that. That was back in the 1970s. Well, now, 40 years later, there are hundreds of times more men addicted to these games. The people that play video games, they don't experience any fear except for uh, losing some, some points or some gold coins or something that they get from playing. And so they're, they're not really experiencing or living anything, you know. It's a complete waste of time. And there's so much God wants us to do with our talents and our treasures rather than spending our hard-earned money and spending the valuable time, finite time that we have to actually gain the rewards that you get uh, from winning those video games, there's no real reward that translates into real life. And, and so that's part of the challenge for those folks that are ingrained into those video games. That's not real life. Get outside and experience real life. God has rewards for you outside of your cave with your computer, with your TV, your iPod, or your PSP or Xbox. There's real life out there to live. This is what was going on in the breakdown of the Roman Empire. It's what's going on now. We've got a problem far worse than anything we saw 30 to 40 years ago. And, and the reason is because, again, this is what is happening to postmodern man. He's abandoned his, his seeking out of meaning into, in materialism. He's seeking some kind of escape from meaning, escape from purpose. And he's finding it in all of these escapist routes de de developed for us by computer game manufacturers. And, and these things are providing more and more opportunities for men to do what they want to do. They want to get away from reality. They want to escape from the real issues of life. And because of that, it's going to affect our very civilization, even as it affected Rome. Getting away from reality is getting away from God. Psalm 11.5 is, is, is a great psalm, and it's kind of shocking to some people because they've never heard it before. But I, I think the, the point there is that God does not think it's cool for us to entertain ourselves with violence, murder, and mayhem. Actually, he hates it. He doesn't like it. And 
you know, if you get down to the basics, can you really call yourself a Christian? Can you really call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ? And yet, every night, you know, watch inappropriate movies with, with violence and, and sex and obscenity. Or play violent video games where you're actually murdering people for hours and hours. And you kill a thousand people. You know, or, or listening to music that's degrading and, and, and not, you know, very anti-God and, and uh, degrading to women. And, and is, can we really partake in this stuff and call ourselves Christians? I, I don't see it. And, and I think God doesn't see it. And I think he doesn't like it at all. In fact, I think he hates it. Not all video games are created equal. There is such a broad scope of variety, intensity, and content. Games like the popular Grand Theft Auto, where you play the role of a criminal, or war games like Call of Duty are certainly much different than playing Solitaire on Windows or Tetris on a handheld. But that doesn't mean that the simple or even silly games are exempt from the potential of being problematic, whether it's playing Angry Birds on your smartphone or Farmville on Facebook. spent hours every day playing not only Farmville but Farmville and Zoo World and Yoville and Cityville and Fish World and you name it I played it. Well first of all Farmville um, you go in and you plant crops and then the crops take so long to grow and then you have to come back and harvest the crops and then after you harvest the crops you plow the ground and you plant something else and if you don't return to harvest the crops, they rot. And so then you lose ground in the game. And nobody wants to lose ground in the game, I mean, especially if you're a competitive person like me. And so I figured out early on that if I had a couple of fake email addresses, that I could go to my Farmville there and gift myself what I needed for my Farmville. My farm got bigger and bigger and bigger all the time and I planted more and more crops and of course the more crops I had the longer it took me to get all of the chores done, you know. I just got so sucked up in it, it, it just kind of took over part of my life. You know, you start out thinking, well this is just a cute, fun little game and before you know it you are so involved in it and so wrapped up in it that you're not paying attention to the areas of your life that really need the attention. I started off with just a little cold and then it turned into bronchitis and then that turned into pneumonia. It deteriorated to the point where I couldn't even sit in front of the computer because I was just so weak and so sick. And that probably lasted oh, four or five days. And then when I did feel better, I went back upstairs and I turned the computer on. The first place I went was to Farmville, you know, to check everything out. And I knew it was going to be a mess. I can't even describe the feeling that I had that day that I, I got back into the computer and I went to Farmville. I sat there and this thought kind of drifted through my mind that was like, what are you doing? What a waste of time! I just made a decision right then and there that I just wasn't going to allow myself to spend that kind of time anymore on something so wasteful. Well, now I actually um, do a lot of flower gardening, the real kind, with real flowers. Just the other day I had two Asiatic lilies open and I ran out with my camera and took pictures of them because I love to do that. It, it just is so relaxing to be out there and actually have a hands-on job to do with something. I have a small group Bible study every other Monday at my house and I really enjoy that. And it, it just is very satisfying and, and I feel time well spent. There's a battle that everyone is facing today regarding all media and entertainment, not just video games. It is a spiritual battle being waged for our hearts and minds. I've been a chaplain in the Army uh, for 15 years uh, at the rank of Major and it's been a very challenging experience. I've had two tours in Iraq, and I discovered that the enemy, in the daytime, he'd be the guy that cut your hair or 
Um, he'd be the guy to sell you some fruits or some ice cream on the street, and at night he'd be on the rooftops lodging rocket-propelled grenades. One particular incident that um, sort of uh, impacted us at a, at a great level was in Mosul. Uh, an insurgent that had the proper identification walked into one of the chow halls there and got his tray, went to the center of the uh, cafeteria, and blew himself up. He had ball bearings in there. So we lost about 20 soldiers and wounded many more. And it was a while before uh, we were able to sit comfortably in a chow hall and actually eat because the enemy was insurgent. He was woven into the fabric of their society and there was no way that we could clearly identify the enemy. That's one of the challenges as a pastor and as a chaplain that I deal with today, especially talking to young people when we deal with media. A lot of our Christians are asleep, and they don't realize that the enemy is in bed with our society. He's an insurgent. He's woven into the fabric. So it's going to be a resistance that's out there. And by going against the resistance, by spending more time in the Word of God, uh, spending more time dealing with your spiritual disciplines, having some personal Bible study, family worship, you'll build some spiritual muscle, you'll build up some spiritual armor, so when it comes time to making a decision, you're not going to be comfortable watching some of the things that are out there. You're not going to be comfortable with some of the music that's being played. The battleground is in the mind, and that's what media is all about, is going after the mind. And Peter said, not only did he say, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about his roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but he said in chapter 1, gird up the loins of your mind, and uh, when he talks about girding up the loins, they, they didn't wear pants like we do today. They wore robes, so when they ru would run, they would have to gird up their loins. They'd have to gather their, their robes so they could run. And Peter's saying, do that with your mind. I mean, get your mind, make your mind active for the purpose of looking forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's happening is that we live in the United States of America, or the vast majority of people watching this live in the, in the United States of America. But we have to understand, our children don't see themselves living in the United States of America. They live in the United States of Entertainment. And the Constitution for the United States of Entertainment has been written by MTV. And you say, well, my kids don't watch MTV. They live in a world that is governed by the values of MTV. Robert Pittman, the founder of MTV, knew exactly what he was doing. He told the media, we don't just shoot for 14-year-olds. We own them. And as I thought through that statement, it reminded me of a statement that Adolf Hitler made when he was in Germany. He said to the parents, you're saying we don't want to come over to your side. And I say to you, your children belong to us already. The future is now in our camp. You are irrelevant. As I think that through as a parent now, looking back on those days, I realize that the media is not neutral that there are agendas out there attempting to infiltrate and get into the minds of kids without them ever having to think it through logically to change the way they think, the way they live, the way they vote so that the future becomes more like what the secular humanist thinks will be paradise rather than what honors God. Like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18, that we need to put on the armor of God because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness that are constantly battling with your mind, with your emotions. And what Satan is trying to do is trying to take you down to bring shame to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation, period. I had to practice almost every day, do my tricks, and do the same thing over and over again. And that's something that I feel as a younger generation that we don't get. We always want everything now, 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 and there's really not much of a satisfaction from it. It's just a cheap feeling of happiness, and then you're looking for that next high when the more important thing is just working at something and getting that real joy, the real satisfaction from it. There was a point in my life where I thought that media really didn't have an effect on my life. Uh, people would tell me, 
why are you listening to that? And my, my parents were a little like skeptical and I wasn't really a Christian back then. And even as I started to become a Christian, I still listened to some bad music, some hardcore with some screaming and the cussing and, and it was just horrible. <laughs> like I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? I wasn't like I was gonna go out and like kill somebody, but it was still that those thoughts were in place of what I could be thinking about. I was doing a media fast for a couple weeks and after that, I slowed down the media like altogether. It's just amazing how much time I gained when I stopped and how I could actually hear God's voice talking to me. Just allowing Him to speak to me was so amazing. I really feel that media has taken my generation captive. It's turned our thoughts to other things so that we can't even think about God. We don't have time. We're too busy. Busy doing what? So I, I try to spend a lot of time in God's Word and I actually have a journal that I actually write in and, and compose my thoughts and just listen to people and just write. It's a really awesome way to just get my thoughts down in a great uh, substitute for media. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So it's not only about not letting the bad media in, but it's about replacing it with something better, with good media, with good books, the Bible, good Christian films, something that gets you thinking about heavenly things so you are more transformed to be like Christ. I'd really like to challenge younger people everywhere, try a media fast, see how that goes, and he will show himself to you, and he will make it worth it to not listen to that song or watch that show or be on the computer for hours on end. We are called as Christians to not be conformed to this world, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're made in the image of Christ and we're called to be more like Him. And you can't really do that when you're saturated in all this media. So put on the full armor of God. Get in the Word. Let's take a stand. Let's be a generation that is no longer lazy and apathetic and stand for something that we believe in, something that's real, something that's right, something that's holy and good. The Bible doesn't mention electronic media or today's entertainments. These things are certainly unique to our time, but can we find biblical guidance to help navigate this digital landscape? There are so many passages in Scripture that are relevant in the media age that have nothing to say about television or video games or anything, obviously. But some of these are so compelling. For example, there's a passage where the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says that we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And if you look at George Barna's surveys, every single one show that at best you come up with maybe, what, 9% of adults in America have anything like a biblical worldview. Uh, sometimes you can get it down to 4% if you look at everyone, 9% maybe if you look at just born-again Christians. But the reality is that most people do not have what we would call a biblical worldview. And so I think it is important to recognize that today, perhaps the greatest influence on the worldview of most Americans is the media. Most of us need a mental model. We need a framework of understanding. If we have a framework that's based on Scripture, getting wise counsel, understanding what God says, that Scripture is what is God-breathed, and it's profitable for training and for instruction in righteousness. We're to take every thought captive. We're not to be taken captive by the thoughts of the world. We're to uh, gently instruct others in the hope that God will grant them repentance so they will overcome their captivity. When those kinds of things become our mental model, it's like a framework or a grid through which we see everything else in society. We read the world through the spectacles of the Scriptures. And what he really meant by that was let the Bible, let it form and shape and mold our whole view of the world. So, you know, it's not just, oh, here's a problem, where's my verse? But here's a problem, right? I'm so used to these spectacles, these biblical spectacles with which I view everything in the world. I know what to do. It's just, it's become part of me. It's become second nature. It's become instinctive. And again, I think with this technology problem, you know, to be in our Bibles, to be letting that story 
form and shape and mould us, then you know, in our own individual stories, we can we can fit them together better and know where they connect and know how to deal with the problems that come our way. So, yeah, let's use the Bible as our spectacles and it transforms this world and helps us see our way through the many puzzles. We live in a media-saturated society and there are many, young and old, who have been taken captive in one way or another. But is there hope of finding freedom? I was challenged to go on a media fast from television for a month, and so I took that challenge, and it was very, very difficult at first. I wanted to plug my TV in every day I came home from work, but finally made it through that month, and the thing that got me through was just filling my time with other things. Foraging is going out and finding food in the wild. Uh, it's not grown. Um, by a farmer, uh, it's not cultivated, and so you go out and you actually have to pick it and find it in the wild. This here is violet, and uh, actually makes a very good pot herb. And then this is plantain, which you know mix this in together. And uh, there's some garlic mustard around here, and cook that up with some onions and some bacon, and it's actually really deli really delicious. I didn't realize how much TV impacted me until I did eliminate it. I don't really feel like I'm missing out on anything. A lot of the things that I've filled my time with since um, eliminating television from my life is uh, your foraging, but also playing the guitar, um, spending time reading the Bible. I found that I had so much more time to learn how to do other things without uh, just sitting down watching TV. This here is jewelweed, also known as uh, touch me not because it gets different seeds on it that explode when you touch it. But if you ever get in contact with poison ivy, this has like a, a liquid inside of it. And uh, if you know you got poison ivy on you, you just rub that on there, it's the antidote. And it actually grows right around where poison ivy grows too, so it's very convenient. It's been five years now that I haven't had a television in my house and it's, it has made a, a deep impact on the way I live because I don't just get home and sit down in front of the television. Um, I you know, have time to spend with my family and we you know, occasionally will watch a movie together, but I'm more selective uh, in my media than I was before. There are many different things that are poisonous, uh, so you have to know how to discern between uh, the poisonous plants and the edible plants. One of the ones I've been reading up a lot about lately is poison hemlock, which, uh, you know, to the novice it would be uh, easy to mistake that with uh, what is a wild carrot or Queen Anne's lace. And so it grows all over the place and it looks very similar, but it's deadly. And it's the same with media, you know, it can be used for good or bad and knowing how to discern between those things is important. It took um, eliminating that influence on my life and that time waster in order for me to, to make time to spend with God. I don't know very many young people that would decide to, to make a, a life change like that. Do you think they should? I do think that they should. I think, um, you know, this world would be a completely different place if we weren't all glued to a screen. So parents, what do you do if now you realize, uh-oh, um, I've bought my son these games. I bought my daughter that Blackberry, or we have a router with wireless internet in our house. What do you do? Well, the good news is you can always get a, uh, you, it's just like a video game, you can get a redo. You can, uh, you can have dinner at 6 o'clock tonight, and then you can have a family meeting at 7. And you could sit down with your kids and just be vulnerable. And parents do this all the time after my seminar. Just being vulnerable and say, listen, we messed up. We made a mistake. Um, you know, our job is to protect you. Our job is to build a hedge around this house. And we failed.
I've made some mistakes in the past. First, I want to ask your forgiveness. But from here on, we're going to make some changes in our home. And why? Because I want to be legalistic? No, because I want to honor Christ. And I want you guys to honor Christ. So we're going to throw out some stuff that we may have in our collections, some movies, some music that just doesn't honor the Lord. And from here on, you guys and myself, we're all going to honor the Lord as a family. When you come home and say, kids, we're going to unplug because I've got all this new information here there will be absolute warfare in most households. Why? Because the media has actually fostered an addiction. I would recommend as a family that you plan out a week or two worth of activity, fun things that you can do outside. Just go play miniature golf, go play frisbee golf, go play tennis, get some different things that you can do outside, but make sure that you're together doing those things outside. Kids will probably be grumpy at first. That's okay. When you overcome an addiction, you're grumpy. That's just the way it is. If you can work through that for a few days and get a couple of weeks of being unplugged, you're going to find several things in my experience. Number one, you're going to find that you actually talk. Maybe for the first time, you really talk about things. Second of all, you're going to find a sense of peace in your home. Because rather than being a good way to vegetate and relax, media actually stimulates us in a lot of ways that really irritate our nervous systems. So you're going to find a sense of peace. I think third of all, you're going to find that your kids are actually smarter too. You can't just suck technology out of your children's lives. Um, something else is going to fill it and it'll be more technology unless you put something there instead and show them the good things, the, the happy things, the beneficial things that can have that life-transforming and mind-transforming impact. One of my concerns that I have today, uh, you know, growing up in, uh, in a conservative world in the past and watching the media today, what kids can get a hold of and watch and listen to, I think is very dangerous. I think that kids' uh, minds are really being polluted and their uh, thinking patterns are being changed tremendously. That parents are lazy, they don't really want to supervise their children, and at the same time, if we're Christians, the Bible commands us to obey God's word and to take God's word and give it to our family. We're living in a life of carnality. There's no spirituality. And if we want to see not only our homes change, our children being transformed, and we want to see the whole world come to know Christ, then the church needs to repent. Parents need to repent. Children need to repent. We're not told how much time we're to spend each day on work or play or leisure or family, and certainly not for computer or other media, cell phone. But we are told to redeem the time because the days are evil, Ephesians 5.16. That means purchase back. And it really views time as something that's, that, that we're losing, that's, that's slipping through our hands and that requires positive effort to reclaim and make our own, or should I say, make our own for God's glory. And you notice one of the motives that's used there is for the days are evil. And you know, if ever that could be said of a day, it's this day. If ever there's a day that you know, redeeming the time should be a, a daily duty, it's these days. In many of the interviews I conducted, a common theme which arose during the discussion around media and entertainment turned towards the importance of spiritual leadership in the home and the need for families to return to family Bible reading, Bible study and memorization, as well as family prayer. We established a family altar, and every day, around 6 o'clock, I'd call out reading time, and no matter what anyone was doing, we'd gather together around God's Word. We would learn memory verses. We would pray. I'd teach the children the fear of the Lord. I'd teach them the character of God. I'd teach them the Ten Commandments at an early age, so that when they hit the teenage years, and those unlawful desires began to come, or those hormones, they knew that God saw lust as adultery. Hatred is murder. They knew that God saw their thought life. So if you call yourself a parent and you care for your kids, establish a family altar. Pray with your wife. Read the word together. I would give an exhortation to mothers and fathers to make sure, number one, they're united and that they have devotion time together so that the children can learn how to, you know, how to walk and be with God and they can feel the love of God and the presence of God in their lives. And by doing that, especially today, the male figure is not taking responsibility.
to be the head of his home. And so what happens is if you're not the spiritual head of your home, then your wife, you know, she takes over and then the house is out of uh, balance. And the children begin to see that the father is not the head of the home. So then there's big issues. So what happens today is that I, I tell parents all the time, fathers, you need to be in submission to God. And then as you submit yourself to God and you study God's word and you pray with your children, then your wife loving her and caring for her, then she's going to submit automatically and those children will see that the hand of God's upon your life and they'll respect you and they'll respect your home and then you have a greater, greater thing that will happen in their lives as they grow up in the ways of the Lord. Many of the men I interviewed are pastors who are speaking on the subject of media discernment. They are few and far between. I hope that other pastors will learn from these great leaders who continue to speak truth with conviction in a world of compromise. K.P. Yohannan is a pastor to thousands of pastors and missionaries, serving in some of the most unreached parts of the world. His organization, Gospel for Asia, is reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to millions who have never heard it before. His perspective of the American church and the struggles we are facing is insightful because of his unique perspective which stems from living and ministering in both India and other parts of Asia as well as the United States. The amount of time young people spend, you know, Google searching and video games and playing stuff and all these things and the trinkets, basically it all makes them more empty and worthless. In all this, the real issue is that are we understanding the fact that God made us for him and the light went out when man sinned. The candle is no more lit and only through repentance and coming back to God and understanding the only thing matters is Jesus Christ died, buried, rose again. Blood was the price he paid to purchase me. I am not my own. And I find my life, life, which includes all happiness, all joy, everything in him. The answer to worldliness and the shallowness that we are living with today in the church is not that we do something with our strength. Rather, we find God again. And the promise is, you will seek me and you will find me for sure, God said. But when you seek for me with all your heart. As I set out to make this documentary about media's impact on our culture and the growing need for... Check. All right. We can have our uh, strong young man with a pulpit back. Uh, what an uh, excellent, clear depiction of a lot of what's going on today. I, I know um, uh, it seemed years ago, anytime there was a discussion about media or anything like that, um, uh, TV or video games, that um, it, was, uh, it was an explanation. There was a lot of work done to explain to adults what was happening in the world of media. But, but today, that's not really necessary. And the truth is, a lot of the media is not just geared towards teenagers or kids, but it's everyone. Um, the lady you saw hooked on Farmville, she wasn't a teenager. And so, um, so I mean, the, uh, one of the, a couple of quick things that, that struck me, and we'll open up for comments here uh, in just a minute, is that um, the young girl who said, you know, I was angry, I listened to angry music, and you would think that that would kind of like, you know, or loud music or whatever it was, you would think that kind of helped me, but instead it just made me more upset. And sometimes we like to, uh, musicians like to refer to themselves as artists, and we'll, we'll save this discussion for another day. But, um, but a lot of times you'll hear someone like a, a rapper that says, I, I'm a rap artist. Well, uh, I would make the case that you're more of a salesperson because what you're doing is you are, once, you become a, once you become a marketed individual, you have a target audience, you have a, uh, you have a, a certain demographic, you have an audience that production company wants you to target. is isn't just whoever you feel like you're making music towards. No, we're going to polish this thing and we're selling it to a certain group of people. We're looking at certain income brackets, we're looking at certain age groups, whether it's uh, men or women and whoever that may be. And so we're, we're selling that. We know this because when, um, you know, when B.B. Uh, uh, King comes to San Antonio, he plays in the Majestic. 
And so when Kanye West comes to San Antonio or something like that, they, don't, they have a different venue, they have a different target. And so what is happening is these people put music, they package this media experience together, and it's, it's uh, however many music videos go with the songs, they package it together and they're selling it to you and they're looking for the widest audience. So if you know people are angry or depressed or brokenhearted, and if you write songs that reflect that, then you're going to have the widest audience acceptance of your music. Uh, Pastor preached a sermon a while back about Adele and how she uh, became famous singing songs about brokenheartedness and depression and uh, you know frustration with, with uh, her love life or whatever it may be. And a lot of people could identify with that, and her music sold like crazy. And so the idea is is that it's a lot, of, it's a lot more marketing than we realize that they're selling to you something that they think you want or trying to tap into something in your life. And the reason why people, why angry music sells is simply because there's angry people. And she said, it just made me more and more frustrated. And I've heard testimonies in the backstage, and I'm sure you have as well, that it changes the way you speak. It changes the way you act. Uh, it makes you frustrated. You're in the vehicle. You're, I had a, a new convert, a guy got saved, and he said, you know, I used to listen to a lot of heavy rap music, and then I'm on my way to church one morning, and I, you know, I've got Tupac in or, or, uh, or whoever it may be, and he's like, and I'm thinking to myself, man, like I, I kind of had a, like a weird attitude when I got out of the car, and he's like, I probably shouldn't be listening to this stuff on the way to church. I'm like, maybe you shouldn't be listening to this stuff wherever you're going. Uh, it's going to shape and form your, your mindset, your attitude. It's designed to do that. It's not an accident. It's not a, a sideline. But that is the point of it, to tap into that, to make you want to purchase that. And um, uh, the other thing is that um, when they were talking about video games and the, and, you know, the, uh, the addiction of, of video games, I think that a lot of times, and I've heard people say this, is that as parents, you think, you know, this world is crazy. If my kid is in the house pushing buttons on a controller, wouldn't they be safer doing that than they would be out in, the, out in my neighborhood or whatever they may be? I mean, there's, at least I know the trouble that's, uh, that is there or whatever it may be as opposed to them being somewhere else. And I've heard this discussion before. And so, you know, I, I, uh, I, any teenager in Teenage Bible Study knows that I gave myself a backache playing Angry Birds. So I'm, it's my testimony. It's terrible. But I prop myself up in bed at night. I didn't even have it on my phone. It was on my wife's phone. I played Angry Birds. I literally, for hours, I'd get very little sleep and go to work looking exhausted. This is, of course, before I had a child. And, um, and so playing Angry Birds all night long. And I, and I bragged that I was in the top 1% of, of uh, score for Angry Birds. I had unlocked all the secret levels, and I could kill every pig in Angry Birds. And, and one night I'm in the bed, and I, and I get into this position, and then I pull the phone up. And as soon as I make that motion, I had this severe back pain. And, uh, and I had been having back pain a little bit. And then it dawns on me, the reason I have this back pain is because I fixed myself in this position for such a period of time and put stress on that part of my back. And I was like, you are kidding me. This stupid game is giving me back problems. It's keeping me up at night and everything else. But I was like, this is so dumb. I, I've got to stop this. So I, I took it off the phone. And, uh, and, I, and I'm glad I did. But, but the truth is, is that we can waste uh, tremendous amounts of time doing this. But um, uh, we're going to open it up here for comments. See Pete in the back, uh, David Sandoval, Kim. Um, let's see where we're at after that. Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> my comment is simple. Uh, media, as we all know, feeds into whatever it is that we are weakest about. Um, back when I was a teenager, uh, it was the, the 70s, and... Um, Music started opening my mind to, you know, other things. And, it, and it's done very sweetly. Uh, oh, wow, what a catchy tune. And that tune that kept vibrating in my mind was, if you can't be with the one you love, then love the one you're with. Negating a proper relationship, negating the morality of what that's saying, and yet... I'm humming it, I'm singing it, I'm feeling it. And all of that is going on in the process of me growing into manhood. So that's what was planted inside of me be, before I even became a Christian. And that, that's my battle. That's our battle. 
you know, we get these messages sent into us and, and we live them and, and we think, well, it's just an innocent song. It's very sweet, you know. But we get these messages and these messages have impact because you keep hearing them and they keep re, uh, reliving within you and you have to fight those things if, as they said in the video, you're going to live for Christ. You have to set up that wall. No, I can't hear that. No, I can't see that. No, I can't watch that. There's a lot of no's, but if you realize by saying no to what that message is, you're helping yourself live as a Christian. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, too, is we can't uh, take something away without putting something in its place. It's not just that we have to kind of sit around and twiddle our thumbs all day and contemplate our navel. But, um, but there's something that we have to do. If we get active in our relationship with God, there's, I mean, there's no shortage of things to do. This may come as a surprise, but people enjoyed themselves a long time before video games showed up or there were a million channels on cable television. And so there's a lot of things that we can do, but we can fill that empty space with something else, and we should be cautious of whatever we fill that space with. Angry Birds wasn't terrible, but it was, it was terrorizing my back. Yes, David. You know, recently I heard somebody make the comment. Um, he was a country singer, and he said, you know, R&B and country are, are tied together. And um, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, how can you tie together Lionel Richie with, you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, Kenny Chesney, whatever. Just it, in, in my mind, I could not see the, to the connection, but obviously... There is a connection, and, and you know, not getting into the music part of it, but I see the young people now. Uh, R&B has gone into you know all the other stuff that it's been into now. You see the earrings, you see the the haircut, you see the the clothing. Back in the day, R&B had effect on fashion. Yeah. Everybody wanted to have the fashion, the purple suit, uh, you know, the, uh, the the lace-up shoes, which as men we would say we would never wear at that time, but then you end up wearing them. Um, and so forth and so on. And then you see that in country music now. I see young teenagers now. If they're not wearing the earrings and the haircut, they're wearing the cowboy hat. Uh, they're wearing, you know, the. It's either or. I don't really see too much of the, the black T-shirt uh, as in our day. Uh, now it's more of an underground, uh, which they call grunge or, or uh, gothic. But it's never a, more of a public in the school because at the time. The black T-shirt, the Metallica type, was kind of a, a, a subtle, but now it's, it's, it's been totally underground. And so I thought about that comment. I was like, you know what? They are tied in ways that, as a Christians, I see that, you know, it's, it's moving our younger generation. Either you're going to identify yourself with this, this culture, this fashion, this song, or you're, not, you're nobody. And, and, and the, pro the problem is, is our kids want to be uh, identified and accept it. And I, and I talk to people all the time, including family members, that I see their kids growing up, and I see them how they're beginning, but they call themselves Christians, but yet it's like, okay, how, how can you call yourself that? And then you're going to come up to me and tell me I'm 18, I can wear what I want, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's not the point of I'm trying to tell you how, what to wear, but it's you call yourself a Christian, and the love of the world should not be in you, neither should the fashion. But yet, you know, here you are making your identity. And I think that was very interesting, uh, you know, just to, to make that comment, how they both tie in. Though you and I would see and say, I don't see the tie-in, but yet they, they, they have an agenda, like you said. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, young men are seeking identity. That's why they go from, you know, kicker to gangster to biker and cholo and everything in between in the space of three or four years. And every, every time they're representing who they're from and what they're a part of and they're desperately seeking identity as opposed to being identified as a Christian or finding their identity in Christ. I mean, Kim? Um, you know, they have that, the lady on there talking about, I guess it's Farmville and, and Facebook, and uh, I kind of chuckled when she started talking about it because uh, I was working with a girl, and her mom was basically real similar to this. Um, this girl had had uh, um, just a lot of things happen in her life. She had a tragedy in her life, and uh, met her house and it was kind of a little ongoing joke her mom had took her email and created a bunch of fake emails and it had to do with this game and I don't I learned more today in that video than what I have a clue about the game itself but um, it was just kind of a passing thing as we were leaving the house and she chuckled about it and uh, 
you know, I knew that her mom was spending a lot of time on Facebook or whatever, and uh, the backdrop, though, when you look back into kind of step back of it just being a cute little, you know, funny thing was is, uh, you know, they, the girl was adopted. The family was a foster family. They had, I think, I think at least four or five foster girls. And um, the dad was your, your, he was disconnected. He was distant. There was, you know, he was a dad in the home, which most people don't have nowadays, but he wasn't connected. I, um, I knew from this girl that the the mom and the dad had a lot of marriage problems. I think three or four of these young girls ended up pregnant, um, maybe not as teenagers, but there was such a disconnect in that family. And yet, um, you know, you kind of think you're spending your leisure time, your, your quote, leisure time on, on, you know, creating multiple emails for this game. And yet, you know, here I come as a Christian working with her daughter and, you know, just trying to bring the gospel and you know what, to have that outside perspective of the truth is, is you're, you're doing that because your whole life is lacking and you're finding fulfillment or, or love or just some kind of something, you know, that's feeding you because your life is an absolute wreck. And, you know, all I could think of as I'm leaving the house with her is, you know, her mom's hooked on this Facebook and I'm thinking, God, save this family because this, this is a disaster. And so um, it was just, uh, that's really the backdrop of it is, is that they're feeling themselves because they don't have it in place in their life. And God wants to come in and help them and set their family free and give them the life more abundantly. And if they, you know, would, would do that, then who cares about Facebook? You know, and, all, and the addiction of the game, that addiction need of, of whatever it is that you're getting fed is not there because you're busy living life instead of watching it. Absolutely. You know, uh, just this uh, final thought. You know, I was, um, uh, I was in a classroom, and there was this professional, and what they did is uh, this guy did media studies. He was a, uh, he was a um, I can't remember all the generation names, but he was a millennial and a Gen X professional and on and on. It's really funny when, like, you've got this guy, he's 55, but he's an expert on, like, people ages 18 to 23. But, um, and so, uh, so he comes in the classroom, very dynamic guy, and he's walking up and down. Um, the, uh, the aisles of the class hadn't said anything yet. And then he starts saying like names, Beyonce, like Kanye West, Kenny Chesney, all these different uh, popular, popular names. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I got them on my iPod, in my, you know, I got this in my CD player, whatever it may be, okay. And then he starts to point at people in the audience. And I can't say everything that he said, but it was all derogatory, I'll tell you that. And so, uh, um, you know, so he's, he's a slut, this, that, I mean, uh, and people freaked out. You thought you were going to have a mutiny on your hands. And he said, he said, you will be so offended if I said this to you, but you pay $15 for an album to stick it in your CD player and drive around all day and listen to somebody say that to you. And he was like, you pay good money for that, and you love them for it. He said, you watch movies and video that depict the main character or whatever, behave them way, like, like if you're a female, the only value you have is sensual. If you're a male, the only value you have is if you can beat on somebody or whatever it may be. You pay top dollar for this, and you love these people for it. But if any of your friends or anybody ever said those things to you or treated you that way, you wouldn't have anything to do with them. You'd be so upset. And he's like, and the thing is, is we can try to dismiss it as, oh, we know this isn't real, or it's just this or that. But if we hear that over and over and over in our lives, it will have an effect. And so uh, it, it, will, it will have an effect. But the truth is, is we cast down um, uh, proud logic and, and we exalt God. God can move powerfully and break this spirit in our generation. All right, we're going we're gonna to close right here. We'll start service here um, right at 11 o'clock. Amen.